from recruiting and consulting firm RiderFlex. I'm your host, Steve Urban, and here is your RiderFlex podcast episode of the day. Cool. All right. <coughs> you ready to roll? I am. <coughs> Let me fix my hair and put my makeup on. <laughs> if you would have told me I was going to be a 53-year-old podcast host like 10 years ago, I would have been like, what? You, what are you, crazy? <laughs> uh, my, my grown sons, uh, they always give me a bunch of hell. They're like, Dad, could you, can you please do this differently and do that differently and do this? Oh and, I, and, I, and I always say, do you want to you come be the host? You, come on over here if you want to do it. <laughs> yeah, but it's good to have that. It's good to have that. It is. From somebody that is a truth teller to you. It is. It is. Franny Matthews on the Rider Flex podcast. Hi, Franny. How you doing? I'm great. Great to be here. Where are you? Are you in Denver today? I am in Denver. Well, just on the outskirts of Denver, but yes, in, in town, in home. I'm actually set up and it's, we're empty nesters now. So I just like kind of rearranged furniture to do podcasts and such. Right. Because we all live on Zoom now, don't we? That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, I, I always tell people we used Zoom before it was cool because uh, RiderFlex has been uh, remote for years. But uh, yeah, now everybody's on Zoom. You got to have your background right. And I like, I like how you got your cameras level and you got, it's clean. There's not any distractions in the background. Thank you. Oh, sure. Well, I, I'm kind of a, like, I don't want to see your neck. Okay. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> and I'm a little bit older than you are. So I, don't, I definitely Barely. show my neck. Yeah, don't you love it? People, they got they got the, the laptop and the, the, like this, and you're looking up their nose, and I'm like, come on, you got it, yeah. come on. <laughs> it's it's not, you know, there's just some simple things. And I was doing I was doing green screens for a while, and I found that I felt like I like had a like peacock behind me or something. <laughs> so I got sick of that. So I, I'll get back to it. They're kind of fun, but. Well, they are, but I do, I do like the natural look too. I go back and forth, but when I'm in my basement, I have to use, use the green screen because I can't show you all the other crap that's down here in my basement office. <laughs> I got some of that going on too. Uh, so for the listeners, why don't you give us, give us the personal overview before we get into business and your career. Tell us about Franny, the person, where she's, where she's from, where she grew up, some family stuff. Go for it. Okay. All right. Well, I grew up in Orlando, Florida. I'm one of the few people that was born in Orlando, Florida. <laughs> and uh, I was the youngest of four children. Uh, and my parents moved to Orlando because they thought it was going to be a nice, small town. <laughs> their family. So that didn't quite work out very well. Uh, I was raised during the, the, the height of the space program in Central Florida. So that okay. was uh, really impactful to me. We had a lot of teachers in our high school that were engineers that decided they wanted to be teaching rather than working. And that was, and we had a principal that was just an amazing recruiter for that type of individual. So I, I felt really uh, fortunate to have that technical um, kind of, you know, environment. And then Disney came in and that changed the environment quite a bit from a, right. and also the, the um, you know, government defunded a lot of the NASA programs. So it was a, a bit of a change there. Uh, I, I, I think you, I had shared with you before that my dad had kind of wanderlust and he liked taking road trips. Um, awesome. And so when he, he built his practice with two other guys. He was an orthopedic surgeon that went through 
uh, to college and medical school on the GI Bill after World okay. War II. Okay. And uh, so when they put their practice together, this is they put certain things together. And they said one of the things they all wanted to do, besides pro bono work, they wanted to take a month off a year with their families. Nice. Yeah, yes. isn't it? So, Wonderful. you know, Wonderful. it started out, it started out that we just, you know, get in the car and we drive about 450 miles to a Holiday Inn and we get in the pool and we play and have <laughs> and get them up in the morning and drive to another Holiday Inn and get in the pool. And I never figured out why we didn't stay at the first Holiday Inn. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's how I got to Colorado. Uh -huh. uh, you know, we did that a few years and then my dad bought a 25 foot trailer hooked it up to a, a Lincoln Continental with the doors that, you know, opened the opposite way and so went across the United States. So uh, I always loved Colorado and um, I wanted to go to school here. My parents were very pragmatic and said, well, that's the real expensive. Why don't you go to school in Florida and you can move to Colorado later? And that's what I did. Yeah. You went to Florida University, right? You went to Florida? I did. I did in Gainesville. Yeah. yeah, gotcha. And uh, did you know what you, by the way, before we, before we go there, what was your mom, what'd your mom do? Tell us a little bit about your mom. So your dad fought in World War II and then he was an orthopedic surgeon. How about yeah. your mom? My mom early on was a retoucher. So really an artist, a photographic retoucher and oh, a oh. photographer. And that's actually how they met. Um, they, they went to school together in Wheeling, West Virginia. So they, everybody knew everybody, but they had a love of photography and that's kind of what brought them together. Um, Is that where your dad was from? Were they from West Virginia originally? Like high school? West Virginia. Is that right? How about yeah. that? Was your dad and uh, were they, I mean, if your dad fought in World War II, was he, you know, those guys, they're pretty tough, right? There, were, there wasn't, I mean, most of them, from what I know, and my dad was a little younger than that, but still kind of cut from that same cloth. My dad was born in 37. Yeah. Um, most of those guys, like, they, were, they weren't, like, super warm and fuzzy and touchy and hugs and I love yous and all that. There wasn't a bunch of that. You know, those guys kind of hardcore, most of them. How, how was your guy? How was your dad? Oh, my, my parents actually were very, um, uh, uh, very Affect affectionate. Yeah, but there was a there was a big element of buck up in that household. <laughs> I bet, right? Yeah, you know, and that goes with the orthopedic surgeon, uh, you know, kind of personality. You know, they get good results when people get out of bed and move. And so it, you know, it there was a, you know, it very, um, yeah, I would say I was I'm very fortunate that it was such a, a nurturing environment, but it was also an environment where we were expect, we had high expectations. They had high siblings. Yeah. There four of us. And I was the youngest and I always, I, I kid my older siblings that, you know, they got a little bit tired. So that's why I'm, I'm so much more well-adjusted. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did the other ones go to school or did they all go to college? Yeah, my brother is an orthopedic surgeon and we had a, we had a, a, a terrible, uh, tragedy. When I was a teenager, my oldest sister uh, drowned up in Estes Park. She also was oh. on a trip with a friend and uh, not during the flood, uh, on her way up to to Bear Lake and oh. had uh, fallen in in um, the river. Oh, I'm so sorry so, to hear that. When was that? Oh, goodness. It was in 73. Wow. Oh man. That's, oh, that's terrible. Okay. So there were four siblings, three still yeah. a lot, three still here. 
Yes. And then my, um, my uh, other sister is, uh, lives in uh, New Jersey and she's the um, VP in the hospital system there. Wow. Your parents must be super proud. All you guys are super successful then. <laughs> well, I think, uh, you know, I think they would be most proud about uh, being happy. I think I just heard a little bit of West Virginia accent in there. Somewhere. Oh, there I might be. I think I just, like, just, just a little bit, maybe. <laughs> there might be some in there. West Virginia, uh, where they lived in Wheeling, you know, it was the, at the tip. So could be Pennsylvania, could be Ohio, okay. could be West Virginia. Do you still, you still got family back in there, in that area? I have a cousin that still lives there and have gone back and done some genealogy work. It's interesting, you know? Um, but, but have you ever have you ever done that? Have you ever like sent in your DNA to one of those? Uh, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank here. Yeah, yeah, that stuff. Have you ever yeah. done that? Yeah, I have. I have. I'm Irish and English and a little bit of German. Um, I, my wife had me send in uh, ancestry. We did the ancestry deal, and uh, to make a long story short. Uh, it opened up. It opened up some things that I don't think other people wanted to know about certain grandparents and other stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, we have had uh, we have had some of that, uh, not in my lineage, but yeah, yeah. I, I always tell people, I'm like, listen, unless you want to find out that your grandpa might not have been the most faithful guy you thought he was, you might not want to go there. <laughs> anyway, yeah. well, I think uh, the greatest one is my daughter did her dog. And her dog weighs about 65 pounds, looks kind of like Scooby-Doo. Um, and it came back and it was uh, mostly German Shepherd and it was 12% Chihuahua. Interesting. Fascinating. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is pretty interesting stuff. Okay, so you decided to go to Florida, to, you know, the U of F, I guess is what they call it, right? Yeah. Um, did you know what you wanted to be? Were you like, ah, I don't, you know, like right away, were you super dialed in or did you know, talk to us about how you decided what to major in and what your career aspirations were at that time? I had no clue. <laughs> I, I thought I wanted to be an accountant, which was a terrible decision for me. Okay. And I got uh, into my first accounting class and thought I was going to be 45 minutes, uh, early for the uh, final and I was 15 minutes late um, or something like that and completely frazzled. And after that, I, and I went into my professor and he was kind of like this stone face and, you know, and I, I thought, I don't even want to work with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if I look back on it, if I'd done a map of what I was good at, um, you know, in seventh grade, I was, I had a concession stand out of my backpack. I was selling, you know, I would walk by the, the, you know, mini mart and get bubble gum and candy and then sell it at, at, uh, you know, in when I was so in middle school. So I, I should have known that that was kind of my, you know, where I was going and I was always good at math. So applying the two of those things, I guess I got into tech sales um, as a result of just what, what I wound up being good at. Well, so in your major, did you major in business and, or, and get a minor in marketing or what, how'd you do that? I had a, a major, I majored in marketing and I, they didn't have an official minor, but okay. I took all my uh, electives in statistics. Okay. And uh, early on, I guess you probably knew that you had somewhat of a outgoing sales type personality, right? I mean, you probably knew, I'm just guessing you were, you know, you go to a gathering and they're like, 
there's Franny. She'll talk to everybody. Come over here. I mean, did you, did you, you know? <laughs> yeah, I would, it's interesting because, uh, you know, if I get tested on it, I'm actually not an extrovert. I'm kind of in the middle because I get my, really? I get my energy from being alone and reading and researching and all that kind of stuff. But I love people. So, I, you know, I guess, you know, I'm a natural from that point of view, but I'm not really, I don't consider myself a natural at anything. I'm kind of a okay you know, B plus student or a B student that can get to A if I work really hard. Did you go to Golden Gate to get your master's like right after or was there a gap? <laughs> that was a gap. And that is, that's a consistent career story because okay. I wound up, um, I was working for NCR at the time and they, I, this job came open calling on Pacific Bell, which doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but uh, I wanted the job and I talked him into giving it to me. And it was, you know, I did a pretty good sales pitch because there was some pretty good stiff competition on it. Got it. And then I got in there talking to customers and I did not know what they were talking about, it, particularly on the network side. I, it was like, you know, I was wearing big shoes and a big red nose every day. And uh one of my customers was very helpful and he said, why don't you take this one class and it'll give you an overview. And uh, I so I did that. And that was the beginning. Of, that was the introductory class to the master's program. Oh, okay. Okay. But NCR was your first job out of high school? It, no, out of college. Out of college. I mean, um, NCR, like you mean the old registers like we used to use in the retail yeah, store? But they were, um, they, you know, they're making, uh, uh, you know, computers. In fact, they were one of the first to make Unix, um, you know, distributed computers. I see. I see. I see. I see. Okay. I recognize NCR just because I was an old retail manager right out of college. And so I remember those registers. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that was part. But I, uh, I was hired to, uh, when I, I went to work for uh, NCR, I was hired to sell mainframes to new accounts. Okay. And All I right. never bothered in the interview process to ask, had anybody bought a new mainframe from M NCR in the last three years? What was the answer? No. It was zero. Oh, shoot. So I went out and, you know, I had this public safety, um, you know, uh, account base and I was traveling five state region, you know, pitching this public safety offering. And lo and behold, I sold one. Well, how about that? Your boss was like, your boss was like, holy shit, she actually sold one. I oh can't my, <laughs> I mean, Betty fell. And I'm like, what's the big deal? I did what you told me to do. So I had a really clear cool. understanding of beginner's mind. Cool. Very good. Okay. So immediately you start having success in, I guess, tech or telecommunications in sales and you start moving your way up, start having some success. Got you. Okay. So, so walk us through then. Go ahead and give us a little bit of the, the next couple of career steps as you kind of walked through and just give us that. I know you were with the IBM for a long time. Just walk us through a little bit of career into IBM, if you don't mind. Oh, sure. I, um, I actually came to IBM from an acquisition. I was working for Sequin at the time, and they acquired us. Okay. And um, it, I thought, oh, goodness, I'm not going to stay here. This is a huge company. And I had a very smart vice president of the division that met everybody that came from that acquisition. And when I met him, we had a really good conversation. And all of a sudden I had truth serum. And I'm like, I got to tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm leaving. I'm interviewing. Yeah. And he started belly laughing. He said, well, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard. You're, you're in the lobby of IBM. You can't make that decision. Yeah, you don't even know us yet. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. Like, you know, Very at least good. go out for a dance. So I, you know, he, he basically the message was stay a year. And then if you, you know, don't think it's right for you, then, then go. But so yeah, 18 years later. And the reason wow. that I stayed was there was always an opportunity that was interesting. Good. Uh, you know, the, the industry itself was moving quickly and IBM had, you know, a tremendous amount of innovation and you could, you could move around. And then uh, in the mid nineties, I went into a leadership position. Um, and I was, I was managing the team. People know AS400s, the old, you know, AS400s, yep. but it, was, it had been rebranded since then, but it was basically AS400. Mm -hmm. And I was a little reticent to take the job because it sounded like old technology. And then I found out 98% of all enterprises were, had one somewhere. Yep. And uh, so I love that. I, I love that uh, market. It was incredibly interesting to see, you know, the regional uh, uh, businesses across America, because being in Denver, you know, if there was a reorg, I might be facing West and flying to, you know, the West Coast, or I might be facing East and flying to Kansas and, you know, the breadbasket. Yeah. So, yeah. Now you, you've been in sales for a long time. I don't, I'm not trying to give your age away or anything like that, but you've been in sales for a long time. You've seen so many things change with, um, I'm going to guess the number of women executives uh, on teams, the number of women you see in the hotel lobby when you're traveling, like when you first started traveling for sales, I mean, hell, even today when I travel, I, I still see m mostly men uh, in the hotel lobby or at the hotel bar or at the hotel restaurant, you know. Um, but, but when you first started traveling, I mean, you had to be like, okay, I'm not the only girl in here. Uh, was that how, I mean, you've seen a lot of changes. There were actually just, more women. There were actually more women when I started. Really? So it got worse. Yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a, a, a resurgence. Okay. Um, but we had a definite dip. And tech has a problem uh, with a cliff with women mid-career. Interesting. Interesting. And that's, it, it's a real drag. Uh, because that's what I found was I could... I, I could, I had flexibility in what jobs I took, whether I was yeah. going to travel or not. Um, I was a single mom for a number of years. I had, my father wound up uh, with Alzheimer's and we moved him out to Colorado. And so I was kind of in that sandwich generation and I, I kind of, um, I took more local presence. So I wasn't traveling. I was going to say, how the, how'd you do that with you? So your single mom, plus your dad was living with you. Did, how, oh, he wasn't living. No, I, he wasn't living with this. He was in assisted living. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I, I think I, I knew my limitations and I knew I probably wasn't going to be able to provide him what he needed. That's, uh, that, that's interesting that you mentioned that. So when you first started traveling, there was more women in sales and tech and telecommunications, and then it got worse. Wow. Yeah. I did not, I did not know that. I, I would say because, uh, you know, large companies were really paying attention to it. Um, and gotcha. so it, it, it wavered a bit on, uh, you know, bringing in new female um, uh, sellers and also uh, keeping them in the business. Mm -hmm. So I had a reunion of some uh, friends that I started with uh, in my, you know, when I get, just got into tech at NCR and very few of us were still in tech when we, you know, really? yeah. 
Got you. Got you. Okay. Very good. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I did not know that. Okay. So now you're remarried now, aren't you? You said you're a single mom, but you're married now. Okay. All right. All right. And yeah, uh, a very, a very uh, courageous man. He, he was, uh, he, he spent his career in, uh, in construction. So he hung out with men all the time and somehow he wound up marrying me I have two daughters and I had two female dogs. So go figure. That's <laughs> wow. Yeah. Let me hold on. Let me repeat that. A construction dude marries yeah, <laughs> two daughters. Oh this is so good. Yeah. Uh, how'd you meet? How'd you meet him? I met, I was set up. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a networking thing and, and uh, I had redone my kitchen and the um, a wife of the, the contractor said, you know, why don't you go to this networking thing? And there was, it was lots of different people there. And I went once and said, I really don't have time. And she's like, no, you have to come again. And the next time I was there, I, I happened to sit next to him and she came over and said, you don't get it. I was trying to set you guys up. You need to go out on a date. I'll be back in 30 minutes. Tell me where you're going. <laughs> are you still friends? Are you still friends with her? The wife of the contractor? You know what? She moved. So yeah, wow. I think she's, she moved to Las Vegas and no, we haven't, we haven't stayed friends, but she did a good deed for us. Were, uh, were your daughters teenagers at the time? Little, little. Ooh, how old? Angus how old? was four and a half years old. <whistles> yeah. The reason I asked that question is because I, my wife and I were both step parents at one time because Kim is my second wife and I just, you know, step parenting is, not an easy job, <laughs> and so he, he is. Uh, he's he's a he's great at it. Awesome. So, and you're empty. Ne and you're empty nester now. We are empty nesters. Yep. Isn't yep. it isn't it awesome to like spend money on yourself? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. You know, um, in fact, I'm in my oldest daughter's old room, and you know, we completely redid it immediately. Not immediately. yeah. <laughs> we left the chartreuse wall up for way too long, but gotcha. Uh, yeah, it's in uh, my daughter. My um, oldest daughter uh, lives about four miles from us. She and her husband do, and Any that's grand? awesome. She um, is has a passion for older adults, and so she's working for Jewish Family Services uh, uh, as the director of older adult services. So, real proud of her on what she's doing. Any grandkids yet? No, we got a we've got a nutty dog, but uh, no grandchildren. You're in that perfect spot. See right there where you're an empty nester, but no grandchildren yet to kind of tie you down. Boom. You're, you, 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 gotta, you, there's this, there's a certain period right in here where you're going to have this free time. You go do whatever you want. Then grandkids happen. Boom. Then you're locked down a little bit more. I just, well, I think I, it's by design though. I, I'm <laughs> talking to friends that do have grandchildren. They're like, they, you know, they can't get enough of it. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. how that's how it was for what my wife and I. I have a granddaughter that's two years old. And, yeah, and uh, yeah, right about the time we were really enjoying not having any, you know, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, okay, now we're a little bit more tied into <laughs> staying close. Um, okay, so sorry to get off on all that personal stuff, but but so all right, great career at IBM. May of 2018 comes along. Were you thinking about retiring? did you leave for a certain reason? Did, did Colorado Technology Association recruit you? Talk to me about the change there. Well, I think, um, I think it's, no, it, it was before that. I think that it, that was, that comes with some wisdom that you don't yeah. make student body lefts like on a whim. <laughs> um, and so I, uh, I, I had been thinking about 
um, you know, what, what else I might do um, for a couple years. And uh, of course I kept that under my hat. Right. <laughs> but, and I did a good job also, but there had been, I, I will be really honest, I, there was a reorganization about two years before then, and I didn't wind up where I wanted to be. I see. Okay. And uh, so I thought, well, I could, you know, work on repositioning this, or I could see what else I wanted to do. So I thought I was going to start my own consulting company. Okay. And I set up an LLC and was, you know, kind of starting on a business plan. Um, and and uh, I got word that the CEO of uh, Colorado Technology Association has resigned. And I had been on the board. And I uh, thought, all the things that I want to do for other companies is incorporated in this job. And so I interviewed for it and I was kind of tentative. I mean, if, you know, looking back on it, whether it was what I wanted to do and I had kind of a knot in my stomach on whether it was the right thing to do. And I decided after a great discussion with Kristen Russell of, of um, Aero Electronics, who was on the board, that sometimes butterflies of excitement and knots can be misinterpreted. And you really need to think through how you're feeling and, and is that not just, you know, scared of stepping off into something new or are you excited? So I, it turned out to be a fabulous decision. Because you, you took over as president and CEO of Colorado Technology Association July of 2018. Is that right? Yes, that's it. I, awesome. I, uh, I resigned in May. My sister and I hiked the Inca Trail. Cool. <laughs> um, and I went to Ireland for one of the best trips we ever had. Awesome. I had no closets during that two month period. Um, and then um, hit the ground running at CTA. That's yeah, that's really great that you took a couple of months off right there. So you knew the board. I mean, it's you knew the you knew the people, right? Because you were on the board. So that was that helped a little bit. Good. Yeah, and I understood the mission of the of the organization, and I understood the history of the organization. Mm, good thing you didn't piss off all those board members with voting against them six months prior. No, I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. So yeah, you knew the mission. So that, that's a good uh, segue. So give us the for the listeners that have no idea what Colorado Technology Association is. Why don't you just give us the three minute elevator pitch real real quick? Go for it. Sure. So uh, Colorado Technology Association has been around for 26 years and started to support the software industry. And one of the founders was Bob Newman, who was um, with J.D. Edwards. And okay. so that was kind of, you know, the, the start of it. And then, of course, J.D. Edwards was purchased by PeopleSoft and purchased by Oracle. And he remained uh, an integral part of CTA and and he's been a, a great help to me over the two-year period that I've been in here. But we, we kind of changed on our, what our mission was, not just software, but the tech industry in general. And when I talk about what CTA does and our mission, our mission is to ensure that in Colorado, we have a very strong tech economy. Okay. And, uh, and, and the reason I feel so passionately about this is that I, you know, we know that jobs require tech skills and more and more of them are. And a lot of them that aren't requiring tech skills will be automated out. 
And so when I look at what's good for our community, it's good to have high paying jobs and a plethora of jobs in a growth industry and that's tech. So um, we work in the areas of, you know, we bring the community together. So, we, you know, kind of uh, economic development at a local level. Um, I work on, on as an ambassador for uh, Denver tech scene uh, outside of Colorado. We took a trip to London last year to talk about um, how, what a great uh, tech hub Colorado is. Okay. Um, don't know when we'll be doing that again. Um, but we also do some policy work and, and not at lobbyist. We, we talk okay. for what's good for the industry. Um, okay. Okay. And so that's what we do. Is it, it's not a nonprofit, is it? Or is it? It is a nonprofit. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. I, okay. And so We're are you. one c 6 which to me, does, that's just a financial construct. You get, need to run it like a business. Right. Um, and so you get funding from the, the tech companies that are based here or from individuals or both, I guess. I don't know yeah, how that works. A lot of, you know, national companies, IBM is a member, Google's a member, Amazon, you know, so we have a, a strong national base, Oracle. Uh, and then we have uh, about 50% of our membership is, uh, is headquartered in Colorado. And, you know, our revenues are primarily from membership and sponsorship of our, our events. We've got a big one coming up next week, uh, Women in Tech. Okay. Uh, we normally okay. do that in person and about 700 women coming together and it's, it's professional development and a day of inspiration. So very good. Okay. So are you, do you spend time trying to make sure the right talent is in tech or the right investors are in tech or the right startup companies are coming to Colorado or all three, or is it all, all the above? It's everything except I would say we don't spend a lot of time in the startup community. Okay. Uh, there's other other organizations that are doing it, and where we are really good is once they start to scale. I got you. Okay, very very good. And I know for nonprofit, boy, if you're if you're in the CEO chair for nonprofit, most of the time that means you're spending a lot of time raising funds. Um, since this is more well established, and you got a lot of big companies that are paying regularly, how much of your of your job is running day to day versus going to dinner with somebody and asking them to write a bigger check. I'm just curious. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do a lot of direct write a bigger check stuff. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. I, um, I, I um, feel like my job is to really um, create the value for the organization. And uh, I do business development, but not in a real direct way, I would say. You know, that would, okay. Okay. I know yeah. I've talked to, I've talked to so many, you know, fa or CEOs of nonprofit and almost all of them love the mission, right? They all love the mission and what it stands for. But you know, if you don't have cash, it, it oh, doesn't. <laughs> I would agree with that. I mean, we kind of look at, you know, three concentric circles. We look at growth and we look at um, value to our membership and we look at engagement. Okay. And if you have all of those going up and you flip your chart horizontally, this is how it works. Great. Okay. And so, okay. Yeah. So growth has been really important, but I wouldn't say I'm, I'm daily going to sponsors and say, Hey, go do this. That's not, uh, it's, uh, but I, I would also say I'm the, the CFO. Um, I know where we're going. Uh, you gotta have a plan and, um, 
you know, you got to work in the quadrant that's high value and not losing money. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. How many employees? We have eight. Eight employees. Okay. So eight pretty lean, pretty lean, pretty lean group then. Yeah. We outsource, um, like we do events and so we outsource the mechanics of the events. I see. Yeah. I see. I see. Very good. So you're the CEO, C CFO <laughs> and some biz dev. Yeah, and some biz dev. Yeah. Uh, now yeah. that you've been doing it for a couple of years, are you like, oh man, whew, this is a little, little more than I, I wanted or are you loving it? Uh, you know, what, what's, it, what's it doing for you at this stage in your life and your career? Okay. So the, here's the irony because, um, you know, I, I, it took me probably a year and a half to really figure out how the sausage is made and then, you know, what the environment looks like. Um, and we had great success. We grew membership by 50% in the first year. Nice. Yeah. So that's awesome. uh, yeah, a great team. And, and we had a strategy. Um, and then COVID hit. Yeah. So much of our, you know, much of our, our stuff is bringing people together. And so we had to innovate. And we did, um, I, are you familiar with sea level and a mile high? Uh, I don't guess so. Maybe not. I'm not really about 1100 technologists together at the, at the, um, stadium. And okay. it, it's, I call it the prom of it. All right. And so, uh, we've got celebrities that are CIOs that, you know, uh, are there to talk to and, and we have a, a silent auction. And so that's been our big, uh, fundraiser. Well, that I was, uh, scheduled for, uh, March 28th this year. <laughs> oh, um, man, killer. Oh. We pivoted and uh, we did it in July. And we were the first big event in Denver to do something like that on a digital platform. Oh, great. And we got rave reviews. Awesome. So this is a bit of a long way of getting to no, I'm not, you know, this is now I feel like I'm rocket boost because <laughs> we're seeing what's available from a digital delivery. And it's like, wait a minute, we could do that. What, what about the women in tech? What if we did? So I'm kind of like, what if we, like we can amplify this when we're able to get back together, we're not gonna do it the same way. We're gonna mm -hmm. use the digital technologies to bring more people together and have more of a, a way of getting them together in an in a effective and efficient way. Now, so see, that's that's a great tip for the listeners, you know, just pausing right there, you know, it's so easy, right? In today's world to crawl up and your, your, you know, stick your head in the sand. Oh my God, my business is suffering because of COVID and I'm going to just, you know, life sucks. And I'm going to get my government money and I'm going to just, you know, it's over for me. It's no, no, you have to, you have to think, think creatively. You have to pivot. You have to make changes. And, take advantage of the things that have that are different now just like you're doing and so now when it when it when you can get back together now you have even additional revenue streams right of, of things you can do that right so so important so important right to look and at reach it that way. having a bigger reach so yeah it's uh well and and i'm going to go back to you know my upbringing if you're coasting you're going downhill yeah. So, I like that one. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I'm going to use that. I'm going to, well, that's a good one. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I just, I just stole that. I officially just stole that. Uh, 
Yeah. I mean, um, and the other way to look at that, one of the things I say to myself is uh, I always say, if there are no hurdles today, it probably means I'm not moving forward because right. if you are moving forward, there's going to be hurdles. Yes. That, that's <laughs> exactly. Well, and also it's not linear. I mean, that's one of the, th the myths of, of people in business. When you look at somebody that's a CEO of like a, you know, huge conglomeration, it didn't happen a linear fashion. That's right. Yeah, you know, absolutely. there were there were bumps along the way. For, <coughs> wouldn't it be nice for both of us to be able to say we didn't hit any bumps in our career? <laughs> yeah. uh, that'd I be hilarious. Think, but you know, bumps make you scrappy, and yeah, that's yeah, exactly all of mine. I mean, I'm sure you got some big oh. learning experiences in your career, and it all was around a bump or two or three. I can show you all of my scars, but that's probably a different podcast. <laughs> um. Okay, so you're having a great time. By the way, being a CEO on a regular day is hard. Being a CEO during COVID is even harder, but it sounds like you're handling it well. Um, well, I, you do, you, you look at, you know, I, I shortened my time frame for a while. It's like, okay, we're just, you know, we're just gonna look at this little garden right here. <laughs> that little garden's all planted. We'll go plant another garden. So I've, I've become a little bit more, I wouldn't say, um, more conservative. No, because you got to get out there. You got to yeah. take the risk. But, um, you know, when the uncertainty is, is so great, six months out, yeah. pull it into three months. Oh, good point. Another good piece of advice. Speaking of advice. So you've had a wonderful career so far. Um, if you, you know, for our listeners, a lot of people listen to the Rider Flex podcast for career advice. Um, if you were talking right now to, let's, let's call Mary, let's say Mary's 28 years old and she's out there traveling just like you were, yeah. uh, check, checking into the Holiday Inn Express, eating the crappy meal, <laughs> and, and she drinking wants to- Drinking bad coffee. Drinking the bad coffee. And she wants to excel into an executive role and maybe she's even faced with like a heavy male dominated environment and she's feeling like she's kind of up against the wall. What, what would you tell her today? Wow. Well, first of all, you need a Petri dish that you can excel in. So if you're in a culture where you don't think you're being respected or heard, uh, make a plan. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, that's, it, it's, it, you're just, it, you're, you're swimming up upstream and you don't need to um the other thing is that you know it's never handed to you the opportunities are never handed to you right. you you have to go after them um i had an example of uh, you know another reorg that i didn't quite like where i wound up and i put together a powerpoint of what i wanted to be doing and i didn't know if anybody you know anybody was doing it but I did an executive interview with my upline who didn't know me. Uh, and uh, I had my PowerPoint and I said, this is what I think we need to do. We need to, we need to be selling the value at a, at a more aggressive level than we are to our, not only new customers, but our existing customers. And so I had this tiger team idea and he's like, interesting. And then two hours later, he called me and he said, you know, that idea that you had, well, you know what, it looks like that's going to be, a, you know, it's close to being implemented at the global level, and I'd like you to run. See, 
This is such good advice for the listeners. I can't stress enough to, to folks out there, you know, in early to mid career, like you have got to tell people what you want to do. You, if you think just working hard is going to do it for you, it's not like you have to scream it. You have to tell people, you have to present ideas. You have to talk to your boss or your boss's boss. You have to raise your hand and say, Hey, I want to move up. Hey, I want that position. Hey, I have this idea. Like you have to say something. That's so important. I appreciate you bringing that up. I can't stress that enough for people. So many times in my career, and I've, I've ran a couple of smaller $40 million companies as a CEO myself. And I just can't tell you how many times somebody would come into my office and they'd say, well, well, gosh, you, why'd you give that job to Johnny? I wanted that job. And I would be like, well, you never told me you wanted to move up. You never said anything. <laughs> like you yeah, have to speak that, up. And also um, have, you know, gives a framework for what you want to yes. do. Um, because other, if you, if you, if it's a generic, Oh, I'd like to move up. Uh, you know, <laughs> you got to give somebody to something to work with. Yes. Um, yes. And then that's the other thing is really look at what you're good at. Because you're gonna you're gonna get into the zone if it's something you're good at and you're mm -hmm. passionate about. If you're yeah. doing a force fit, you're just not gonna be as good. It's gonna be hard for you. So I, you know, figure that one out. I always like the puzzle of tech. So, um, and I always like figuring out like emerging techs. I, the my favorite job was like right after it dripped off a PowerPoint into a 3D version of a solution. <laughs> How about this? You've interviewed and hired a bunch of people in your, in your day and you're still doing it. Um, lots of people that listen to the RiderFlex podcast, they listen for job interviewing tips. In today's world, what are some of the most common mistakes you're seeing right now from candidates when you talk to them? Uh, underestimating their competition. Oof, that's a good one. Yeah. Right. Just thinking that the bar is not not as high as it is because people who are getting the jobs are really, uh, you know, putting their shoulder into it. Mm, um, coming prepared, uh, being able to articulate your value. I, resumes are boring. Um, I like to see something on a resume that I can tease uh, out what, you know, gets them going something that where they were independent on something and took it to create something that's um and, and and often it's not on the resume you're right you're right uh, don't be afraid to put to put creative stuff on your resume or extracurricular activities or athletics or hobby or don't don't be afraid to put something interesting on your resume to, that tells who you are as a person it makes it it opens it up for all kinds of conversation i really encourage people to do that and you're right about the competition it's interesting i tell you who's who's really bad about that is, is some of the folks coming out of college, you know, they're, 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 you know, they're interviewing, we're recruiting for an analyst position right now, just one of the several positions we have on the board and uh, we're recruiting an analyst position, which is, which is a, you know, an early career position. And I, one of the questions I'm asking right now, I'm like, okay, well, Hey, listen, I appreciate the fact that you, you know, went to San Diego state and you were a 4.0 student and, you know, accounting that's cool but there's 50 other resumes just like yours why should we hire you <laughs> exactly you know the other thing um and this is going to probably sound really it may sound old school 
you know, you don't want to get out of college and have that be your first job. Get a job. <laughs> you know, I had a job yes. from the, uh, my 16th birthday. I went down to Disney and got a job at Disney. Uh, and I was so excited about it. Yeah. Uh, and yes. the, the, the minimum wage jobs that I had before I had my first real job were so valuable. Uh, and, and when, and I hear employers talk about, uh, you know, the foundational skills, communication skills, showing up on time. I mean, all the things that, you know, are just the must haves. Um, you learn that in that, you learn that in that environment. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I just, yeah, you're, you're so right. If you, th if you think just cause you graduated from a, a top school and you, you had good grades that that's all you need. No, I mean, I, I just talked to a young man today. Matter of fact, he gets on the interview and, you know, he's trying to network a little bit and he's got 52 connections on his LinkedIn profile. And I said, Johnny, I said, what, I said, what are you doing? You haven't been, you haven't networked at all the last four years of college. Like what? He's like, Oh, well, I didn't think I needed to. Yeah, you do. <laughs> well, it goes back to when I was going to make a change, I was, I was thinking about it two years before I did. Yeah. 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 You really have to be strategic in your approach all the way through your career. So we're almost out of time. Um, two, two final questions. Somebody asked you a very similar question because I've watched all of your podcasts that I could find before you got on the <laughs> Rotterflex <Yes>. show. <laughs> so somebody asked you a similar question. If you could make that phone call to the young lady coming out of U of F, at the age of 21, I'm guessing you were 20 or 21. Yeah. If you could call her and just tell her anything right now, knowing what you know, what would that be? Um, one of them would be don't so, be so hard on yourself. Oh. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, uh, I, that's, a, that's a lot of wasted time. <sighs> um, and, you know, but I also would, you know, I look back on my 20s and I spent a little bit of time, you know, kind of, trying to figure stuff out. Uh, it, that was more of an exploratory um, decade. And that's one thing that I shouldn't have been so hard on myself. That was awesome. I really, it really grounded me in a lot of ways on figuring out what I do like, what I don't like, what I, you know, the, the, going back to that culture, what culture I like to work in, uh, what culture I like to create. Mm. Um, so that's, you don't know, be hard. don't be so hard on yourself. How about, work how about, I mean, I'm a hard worker. <laughs> yeah. Work, work hard. hard. Just don't, work just don't smart. spend, don't spend a lot of time beating yourself up. I mean, try to move, move on. Waste of time. Waste how of about, time. Guilt. I never have any guilt. Okay. Very good. How about this? Then last question I want to ask you, uh, if you had to put your core purpose in life right now at this stage into a sentence, what would your core purpose be? Well, you know, ultimately, ultimately I look at what's going on in the world right now. And it's, um, it's a fight between love and fear. And if I, in my corner of the universe, can be, bring more people toward the love side. That's my core purpose. That's good. That's good, Franny. I was, I, I was just with my stepdaughter who I haven't seen in several years. 
and she's uh, 31. And that was her message. Her message, we saw her in Missouri on a trip and she just said, I'm just trying to spread love and happiness and, and, and positive energy. She goes, I'm just trying to spread positive energy. She goes, we just need a lot more of that right now. And you're absolutely right. We need a lot more of that right now. And I yeah. think we have the ability that, you know, talk about the culture. You know, this country has been amazing on, you know, when the going gets tough that we all pull together and get together. Um, yeah. And I Good. feel that way about humanity. It's not just the United States, it's humanity. And we need to be thinking along those lines. That's, that's good. That's good stuff, Franny. Really appreciate you being on the Rider Flex podcast. Thank you so much. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button. If you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to hit that little bell next to the subscribe button so you can be notified when we release a new episode. Our show features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get information on the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.